0: Welcome to the Equipress Church Budapest Podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check EquippersCurch.au. Just what I really felt what God wanted to, to do, and that's why I just said that is if you're here tonight and you have a perhaps a physical problem, you just need God to intervene in and healing, perhaps you're going through a, an emotional phase where just really need the Holy Spirit to touch you and bring healing. Perhaps you're in a point of transition. You just need something clear from God. Can I encourage you just to be bold and stand to your feet right now in Jesus' name? Just if you're healing, you're in a point where you just need God to break through, God to minister, just stand. A lot of people standing. Uh, if you can see someone by you who's not, uh, you're not standing... You might like to just extend your hand to them. Just put your hand on their shoulder, but I'm going to pray right now because I love these moments, uh, moments when God can supernaturally just heal, touch people. Right now across this room, Father, there's just so many people standing. And I take your name, Jesus, and I speak healing into their bodies. I break every spirit of affliction. Where people are emotionally damaged, we ask you, Holy Spirit to come. And just to bring healing, bring a sense of relief where there's pain. Father, where people are in a point of transition, I just ask you to make it clear that they would know the path that you're wanting them to take. The steps would be clear. And I pray that now, even as I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd come and you'd break through into people's lives in the name of Jesus. You'd just be a sovereign measure of your grace. I believe even, I love the one of the Psalms, that says, even in the night hours, God speaks to us. And I declare tonight, apart from the service when people go home, Holy Spirit, you're going to wake people. You're going to speak to them. You're going to minister to them in the night hours. And I pray that they would respond to your word and something would happen in their lives. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 How many got that? Put your hand if you've got it in face. Yeah. Take a seat, everybody. Thank you. You'll be back. <laughs> I want to get on uh, with my message. Tonight I want to talk about an area that God has probably given to me, and it's in a way a prophetic message, I believe, for the church. And um, I'm getting caught up and it's going to annoy me. And it's a prophetic message for the church, and I believe it's really important, so uh, I, I pray that you will allow me to flow in that. Uh, sometimes I do stop and I prophesy over people, but probably, unless I really get drawn to do it, I don't think I'll do it. Amen? So if you're waiting for a prophecy, the message is the prophecy, okay? So you've got to get the message, you've got to get the thus saith the Lord in and, and the message because you'll find there'll be parts of it where God will speak into your life. The area that I want to speak about, and I'll share a story first. Uh, I come from New Zealand and I had a friend who had a brother in Sydney and she told me the story about her brother. He was very, very wealthy. He had two sons. And both the sons had grown up and had been indulged with money but really never knowing the heart of the father, the compassion of the father, the love of the father. He just indulged them, given them money. The youngest one, both of them became addicts, both want heroin, and the youngest one took an overdose. He ended up in the hospital and he was on life support. And the person who told me the story, the sister, she was in the room. And the father was there, and she said to the father, why don't you just go and hold your boy's hand and just tell him that you love him? And So the father goes over, takes the boy by the hand, and just said, I'm so sorry that I've not been there for you, and started to really express his love. Sadly, the boy dies. And the father, they bury the son... Three weeks later, he was watching a documentary that had been filmed before this boy had died. And it was a documentary on drug addicts, and addicts in, in Sydney, and the journalists had gone round and interviewed many people. And while he was watching it, the son who had died comes into the lounge on the TV screen. And... the the, the journalist asked this young man, young man, what would it take you to give up drugs and to set your life apart? And the words that just came from this young man who just died was just this, just to hear my father say he loves me. And sadly, this is a true story, but sadly that is so true of, our generation. We've never found in many places the expression of the love of a father to reach into the brokenness sometimes of our own humanity. But yet it's so much part of God's design. It's so much part of God's plan. It's so much part of who God is. And I know we've gone through a pandemic. The pandemic is called the COVID pandemic. But I personally believe the biggest pandemic in our world right now, is not COVID. It's actually fatherlessness. And the church has really got a responsibility to really address it so that we create an environment where the nature of God the Father can be expressed into the brokenness of our humanity so that we can actually begin to find a place where we acknowledge and know the creative order of God. And I believe that right now it's the church's responsibility to really rise up and speak this message. And that's why I'm doing it. And you'll see why as I go through a couple of scriptures in a moment. Because the, the power of fatherlessness is actually bringing unnecessary pain into people's lives. And often people are walking through life with such insecurity because they've never had someone at the right time in their life, bring affirmation. I am blessed, I had a good dad. He died when I was 28 years of age. But one thing I can say about my dad is he loved me. I knew his love. I'm not going into testifying about him, but he was an incredibly generous man. He believed in me. He believed in my other siblings. And we knew he believed in us. He wasn't perfect but he had a strong commitment to who we were. In fact, he paid a great price to see us succeed in the areas that God had called us to. But the world we live in is really trying to make us all gender neutral. It's removing God's creative order. And I believe it's the role of the church to really help people to understand that God does have a creative order. He has made us male and female. We're different. We can't be the same. And the way I know I'm not the same is my wife is very maternal, and I'm not. When she had children, she did not bring them to my breast, because there was nothing there. <laughs> I'm just getting your attention. We're created different. People are trying to make gender equality a thing of the day. They're trying to say that this is progressive. But you only have to study history to see this is not progressive. Progressive. This is just a repeat of things that have happened from generation to generation when God has taken out of society. And what happens is we go on this slippery slope downhill where you start to see that we go from a, a God society and in the city there's been an acknowledgement of Jesus Christ, there's churches, there's places where God is celebrated. But we go from God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, secularism. We don't need God. And once you go into secularism, you have to create your own belief. But sadly, from secularism, you go down another spiral and you come into paganism. And once society goes to paganism, something gets really out of kilt. We start going into a dangerous ground. The reason why we will go into paganism, and I'm saying the reason why, is simply because we're created to worship. And we will have to replace the big G with small Gs, small gods. Gods that are created in the image of man, not created. We're created in the image of God to worship him. We actually start to worship creation rather than the creator. Romans chapter 1. And it's so important that we start to speak the truth into people's lives. That's why I'm here. I'm a father. I'm here to minister to you tonight because I believe right now we're in a place where there needs to be a shift. There needs to be a change. And if you're a female here tonight, I I know I'm speaking about fathers. You say, why isn't he speaking about mothers? Because I'm not a mother. (laughs) Amen? I know more about fathering than I do mothering. But I have found generally a generalisation... The fathers bring into a home security. Mothers bring heart. It's a generalisation, but fathers bring security. Where a father is operating in his grace and he has a love for the children that God's entrusted to him, that home will have a security. But I don't bring heart to our home. My wife does. She's She's the creative one. She makes everybody feel welcome. I'm a welcomer. But she just got that extra neck. Amen? It's heart. And I believe that we need to acknowledge the differences. I think there need, there's, has needed to be a change. Because some males are male chauvinistic. Some of the women should say amen. <laughs> and they expect to be served. Just to let you know, I would cook most nights in our house. I'm quite domesticated. <laughs> amen? Just to let you know. So, And I also believe that if a woman does the job, she should be pray, paid the same as a man. All the women should be saying, amen, come on, bring it on. Because we need that. I also acknowledge that women can have a powerful leadership gift. And we see many significant women in our world today with dynamic powerful leadership gifts, but it doesn't mean that that controls their marriage, (laughs) just to let you know. And I believe that we need to actually see many things have been good, but naturally this pendulum always swings too far, and what we need now is to come back to the creative order of God, and the church has got a responsibility to speak into it. The Queen actually made the statement for her, Queen Elizabeth made the statement for her 70th anniversary. And she just made a statement. She said, If we are to embrace a positive future, we must study the past. And often we're trying to navigate the future without looking back. And really, there's nothing new. And right now, we need to understand that the Holy Spirit is wanting us to help to see what's happened in the past so that we can navigate and go into our future. The book of Malachi, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, this is the last book of the Old Testament. It's really interesting how it's written. It just uh, says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, I think the prophet Elijah, it's the spirit of Elijah. I think right now I am embracing that spirit because I'm speaking to you about something that I think was prophetically brought way back thousands of years ago. And it goes on and it says, the spirit will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. And isn't it amazing? This is the last line of the Old Testament. Lest I strike the earth with a curse. And right now, if you were to look, especially in the Western world, we're under a curse. Because right now, the media, politicians are telling us a lie. They're trying to build something into our life that really, in a way, only brings damage. It never brings health. But really, if you're to listen to the spirit of what God is saying, God is saying right now, and many of you are not fathers in this room, but really what we need is the hearts of the fathers to turn to the children. Who moves first? The fathers, not the children. That the hearts of the children will turn to the fathers. We live in a world where we're looking for children to respect the elderly But sadly, the elderly have disqualified themselves because they haven't reached out to the young with a spirit of fathering and therefore separated them from the very thing that God wants to bless them with. And I believe in every great church, and I love young people, but every great church, there's fathers, mothers, and we need it. Why? Because it brings healing. It brings a sense of belonging. And as we start to see the fathers, and that's what I'm Believing the anointing of God is doing tonight. The heart of a father is reaching into the heart of the children. And as the heart of the children begin to sense the heart of God, the heart of the children will turn to the fathers. And we will see this dynamic, this creative order of God beginning to work and something significant starts to happen. And we start to see healing. And I'll come back to it later on, but I could preach it right now because there's anointing on it in Jesus' name. But we need to let... The heart turn. The book of Corinthians is a book written to a, a church that came alive out of a pagan society. Jerusalem was a godly society. So there's a God awareness in Jerusalem when the Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. But in Corinth, as Paul came in and preached, He was preaching to a pagan environment. And paganism had taken control. There were many different gods and goddesses in Corinth. Paul preaches the gospel. But the problem is they got saved, but they did not allow themselves to separate from some of their pagan beliefs and activities. They didn't change their behaviour. And so Paul writes this letter to them. It's a strong letter. Paul knows it's a strong letter. And in many ways, he knew that they were hurt by what he was saying. But he came, comes to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6, 14 to 16. He says, I do not write to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, there's many people out there who want to tell you what to do. Many. They want to overpower you with their beliefs. They want to try and tell you how you should live your life. But he goes on, he says, Many instructors, but yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And he says, therefore imitate me. In the Message Bible it puts it like this. There are a lot of people around who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there are not many fathers willing to take time and effort to help you grow up. That's the world we live in. My son, Sam, I think he preached here some weeks ago. Sam and Kathy. and We were back in New Zealand and they have three wonderful girls that we dearly love. And one is 21 years of age. The other is 19. And then they've got a 14-year-old. And why mum and dad were away, the two oldest weren't getting on particularly well. Does anyone know what it's like to fight with siblings? Put your hand up if you do. Good. Not many honesty here. <laughs> and so they got into a scrap. I'm use a scrap because I think that's what it was. It was an argument. I don't know whether they threw anything at one another, but it was pretty strong. Words were strong. Boom, boom, boom. And I heard the phone and it was my wife's phone, and one of them's on the end of the phone and starting talking to my wife. And then my phone goes. And it's, I, I knew who it was. I said, Michaela, what do you want? She said, pa, can I talk to you? And she starts talking. And she starts talking. And she starts talking. And I found myself just saying, don't you think it's time you just grew up? (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? And then we had a good talk. Instructors want to give you information. Fathers want to help you to grow up. Sometimes... Their words can be a little bit direct and even be a little painful. And that's what Paul was doing to the church of Corinth. They didn't like what he said. But he was trying to come under them to help them to grow up and inherit everything that Christ had for their life. And to all intents and purposes, his message worked because 2 Corinthians is a different book. And we see something beginning to build into their lives. And really what we need in the church of Jesus Christ is not only biological fathers, but we need fathers in this church who will come under people. Remember, I had a friend and he was older than me. And he came up to me one day and he shocked me, but the more I thought about it, I realised what he said. He said, I might be older than you, but you're my father. Remember, at the time, I was slightly not back, but I knew what he was saying. He said, I've never really had a father who's invested into my life like you have. So it's not an age thing, but it is a spirit thing. And when we let the spirit of God take hold of us, we're able to reach into the brokenness that we all have. If you take the scripture, it's not going up on the board, but I'm sure you'll know it, Says, but we all say, all. all look at your neighbor and just say, all. all that includes you, amen. So it's all for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, every time as a younger preacher, as a younger preacher, I always focused on the word sin, but actually. If you take note of the scripture, the sin is not the context of the verse. The context of the verse is the glory of God. And it's saying, I have a destiny for you. I have a destiny that you would walk in the creative order for which I have made you. Sin has been your robber. It's taken away from you what I Wanted for you. And so, what we've got to see in life is that God sees you created in His glory. That's why you get another script, it's not going up there, but that coming to my mind. So, I want you to get them. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, it says, For, all, for, for we have a, a spirit, the Spirit of God is a spirit of liberty. How many want liberty? Well, another word is freedom. And it says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it goes on and it says, with unveiled faces, we are being changed as we behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord. We're being changed from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. And we need to understand God's intention for you is to be a mirror of His glory. The glory of God is His creative image. I trust you to go through the New Testament. That's where the glory of God. I often think, now you might, this is not arrogant. This is just taking. I often walk through the street and in myself I say, today I'm the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Because there's no one else around saying that. <laughs> but we can display the glory of God through our life, our actions. Our ability to reach into broken humanity. See, this is not religion. This is a, a dynamic relationship with a God who's wanting to restore you to the way He's created you to be. And I believe right now, prophetically, I minister. Somehow we've got confused. We've got religion into our world where God wants us to have a relationship and he wants us to get this dynamic into our heart so that we can be we we can be the mirror image of the glory of how God made, has made us. And every the wonderful thing is in this room, every one of you are unique. No one's made the same. Everyone has a unique smile. Everyone has a unique dimension. We've all got different colours of skin. I'm just a pale brown. <laughs> Not white, pale brown, if you really look at it. All different. Had a friend, he wrote a song, Something beautiful, something good. All my confusion Christ understood. Something beautiful, something beautiful he's made out of my life. He was a little man, five foot five. Not sure what that is in meters. When he was growing up as a little boy, he was no father. He lived in a home where no one helped him. He wasn't taught how to look after his own personal hygiene. He tells the story. He said, I'd go to school when no one would to sit beside me because I smelt. And he grew up feeling the rejection of everybody around him. He was bullied. He wasn't treated well. He said, when God saw to me, he made me five foot, five inches tall. He looked at my skin, white, brown, low. I'll, I'll just darken him up because he's part of the indigenous people of our country. So he, he darkened him up. Nose, pointy. Nah, I'm just going to punch it in. He's going to have a flat, wide nose. And he tells a story on the stage about how God sees him. This man had such an anointed voice and he told about the creative order of God and then he said, he sung this beautiful song with his guitar, something beautiful, something good. All my confusion, Christ understood. But yet he's made something beautiful out of my life. Tonight I just want to go through and very quickly which sounds a lot, but I'll do it quick. Areas that we need to understand in the role of a father. You might pick up some things that you can see you've missed, and then I primarily just want to come back to one point. I wonder if, Milan, you'd come and just play the keyboards really quietly in the background. Do you mind? I might be working too hard. First one is they establish security. Come back to it. That's why we need fathers in our world. That's why we need it in the church. They bring security. The second area is they help children, help you and I to discover who we are. When we know who we are, we deal with the insecurities of our life. I'm not sure whether you can remember or perhaps you're there right now. But, you know, from the age of 13 up to about 19, everything in you is screaming insecurity because you don't really know who you are. Your whole world's changing. And somehow a father at that important period of your life is able to come in, in Christ, and use the scripture found from Psalm. Verse 139. You formed me in my mother's womb. You covered me. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Everybody in this room tonight, please hear from the Spirit of God that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And then the Bible goes on, this my soul knows very well. I don't need to compare. I know who I am. I know who God's created me to be. That's what fathers do. They help people to understand the creative order of God. that fearfully and wonderfully made. If you had to study the Bible, even before you were born, God knew you by name. While you were in the matrix of your mother's womb, he called you. That's the significance of the God we worship, and that's the God we preach about and talk about. Number three, they equip them for the future. Fathers are never there to impose their will on the children. They're always there to help the children discover what God's put in them. I love telling the story, my, my wife is a ballerina. When I met her, she was very, very petite. She still is quite petite, in her opinion, probably a little heavier than she should be, but those are her words. I like her because she's cuddly, but she stands like this still, 72. She still stands like a ballerina, can't get it out of a system. So I told you we have one girl and three boys, and so the heart's desire of my wife is that our only daughter would learn ballet. So we send her off to school. She went for the first time and came back crying. The second time, she went crying because <laughs> she didn't want to grow. The third time, we said, okay, we give up, you win. <laughs> because we weren't going to force her into something that we knew that wasn't her. Problem with my daughter, not the problem, because one side's really good. is She looks like her mum, but sadly, she acts like a dad. <laughs> She's got the prophetic nature of a father. She has no rhythm. It would never have ever worked. But the number of fathers who impose their agenda on their children is frightening. Never do it. You're there to help them discover who they are. You're to bring out the way God's created them, not to impose. The more you impose, you'll destroy who God's made them to be. And they'll never go on the journey where they fulfill what God has for their life. Number four, I'm not going to talk about a lot, but they discipline. They discipline that they might profit. You can never ever grow in life unless you have discipline. Discipline should never be harsh, but discipline should build boundaries. It should help people to navigate their life knowing that there are boundaries of protection. We need them. We need them. When my boys started dating, I didn't know what I should share with them. I talked to them about the facts of life and God through all that stuff. But then I knew that they were at the age where they were looking at girls. And I said to them, I said, well, I said, I don't really know what to tell you, what advice to give you. I said, you know, if you take a girl out, I'm not going to tell you whether you hold their hand or kiss them, because I'm not there. But I said, just say you do hold their hand and somehow the chemistry in your body starts to come alive and something starts to burn. I'm not sure whether you understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) I said, just remember Jesus is there. (laughs) It was the end of subject. (laughs) That That was my advice. Just remember, Jesus is in the car. Amen? Jesus is in the car. That's all I say. <laughs> Jesus is in the car. He's watching. He's there. And close the subject. <laughs> I didn't have to govern their behavior. I don't know what it was like, but I'm sure they remember that Jesus was in the car. What I was really doing is giving them boundaries. And Boundaries are so important if we're to navigate our life and come into a place of fruitfulness Number five, they love unconditionally. Doesn't matter what you do in life. We need people who will love us. It doesn't matter what we do wrong. Many people only love when someone's living in their world. But the prodigal son teaches us in Luke chapter 15 that the father loved. And I love the picture. And I want to demonstrate it because I think that many of us have got it wrong. The son leaves. My next point is the father releases him to go. He didn't hold him back. He never, ever ran after him. He released him. But I can imagine, and I hope you can get the the drift, that every morning the father would come out and he would sit on his seat on the deck with his cup of coffee and his Bible and he would look up and he would say, I wonder if my boy's coming home today. I wonder if my boy's going to come home today. And he'd pray for him. His love for him never ever disappeared. His love for him grows stronger and stronger every day because his love Was not based on the condition of his behavior. It was based on the fact that he's my son. He's my son. I love him. I love him. One day he was sitting there, he'd had his breakfast and he came out and he looked up the road and he saw this boy walking and he said, Is that my boy? Is that my boy? Is that my boy? And The further closer he came, he realized that it was his son. And for the first time since the son left home, he came to him. And he wrapped him because his love had never disappeared. And I believe we need a generation of people in the church of Jesus Christ who don't put their finger of judgment on people just because they don't have your belief system. They need love. They need unconditional love. They need people who will reach, like God reaches to us. And that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It's the love of God. He demonstrated. He didn't wait for us to get right. He reached into the brokenness of our humanity by taking the price of our sin and our our pain upon himself. It's the nature of the gospel. Number six was he released. I mentioned it. He guides them relationally. We have a statement in Equipers. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. I'm going to say it again. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Your life is determined by the relationships you form, the close relationships you form. doesn't mean we don't minister to people who have needs, but friendship's another level. Who speaks into your life? Who is the one that you walk with? Who who stands with you? Who is building counsel into your life? Where do you go from help? And I believe we need to guide them relationally so that people will not trip up. You can't force them as they get older, but you can help guide them. Number eight, they model. They model. You can't tell people about purity unless you walk it yourself. It's not as though you're pure. Perfect. You can't talk about prayer unless you model prayer. You can't talk about the importance of church unless you know the importance of church, because your children will just look at you and say to you, Oh, you just say something you don't do. They're not stupid. We learn more by modeling than we do by instruction. And we need models. That's why Paul said, Imitate me as I am in Christ. Number nine, they testify. They testify not only of areas that where God's blessed them. I've got many stories of God's blessing. Provision, my wife and I, have been healed many times. Testimony of God just breaking in. I've seen God move. I remember praying for this nine-year-old boy. And ever since the day he was born, he had suffered with eczema all up. In this area of his arms, right down both arms, in the back of his legs, he just struggled with eczema, and he had to be wrapped because it was so irritating that he'd claw it and make it bleed. And his wife was, uh, mother was so desperate, so she came to the church and she said, "I want the elders to anoint my 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 son." It wasn't on a Sunday; it was in the week. I remember, it was a Wednesday, I think. So my wife and I, we anoint this little nine-year-old boy. I want you to understand his age, nine. The only thing he knew in life was pain. But he was, we were praying because of the faith of the mother, not the boy. So his, his, his mind could not have changed his life. He was a little boy, nine. We anointed him. On Sunday, she brings her son, no bandage. All new skin, all up and down. It had never, ever been like that since the day he was born. Completely healed, completely healed. I walked into a room with a friend of mine. I'd been ministering. I struggled to have children for nine years. They've been prayed for by all the the great preachers that they could get hold of. I was just a little preacher from New Zealand. I walked into their room and I felt their pain. To this day, I don't know why I said it, but I'm so pleased I, I yielded to the Holy Spirit. I just said, when I pray for you, you'll get pregnant. Just came out of my mouth, just like that. When I pray for you, you'll get pregnant. Two months later, I get an email. We're pregnant. We haven't told anyone, please don't tell anyone because it's too early, but we're pregnant. We want you to know. They went on and this boy was born. The next child they conceived was twins and they went on to have five children all in a short period of time. I visited them and I came to the doorway. Both of them come to the door and said, tonight, please leave your prayer outside. (laughs) We don't want any more children. (laughs) We've got our quiver full, amen? (laughs) But we testify. We testify to the goodness of God. We also testify to sometimes our difficulties, the things we struggle with in life. But you don't just testify about the good, you've also got to testify about the struggles. Because then people can see how good God is. He's changed you. And I could tell you many testimonies about the bad, (laughs) but I'm not. (laughs) Because I don't have time. Number 10, they pray. I'm not going to stay on the prayer too long. But you can never ever win in the Christian journey unless you're a prayer. We need right now a praying generation. We need praying fathers. We need praying mothers. Sometimes we just think, oh, I've got a good old grandma who prays for me. No, no, come on. We need a younger generation who pick up and begin to know how to pray and to intercede and get breakthrough, not only in their own personal life, but in the life of others. We are in a warfare. Amen? We're in a warfare. And right now, I believe God's calling us to pray. I'd love to preach on prayer, but I don't have time because I want to finish by going back to number one. If you could put up the scripture from number one, if you wouldn't mind, wherever you are, I don't know. Somehow they're going up there. But number one is established security. As a young pastor, I always knew that God had called me to release a younger generation of people. I love young people. I don't know. It must be a God thing. I've always loved young people. I love to, I love their antics. I just love their zeal. I love their enthusiasm. I just love young people. It came out of the scripture. In chapter 1, sorry, this point. Psalm 144, verses 11 to 12. And I believe this scripture is very prophetic. I praise God he gave it to me. I don't know how many years ago, but many. Just I want you to get the first part, rescue me. Deliver me from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lying words and, and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. Isn't that so true right now? If you look, I'm not sure what the media is like. I'm sorry if I'm coming down, but I want to get down. I hope everyone will come over this side of it. The Media, politicians, people are coming with lies, they're coming with messages. We've talked about it. Rescue me, deliver me. Here's the cry of David, come on, rescue me, deliver me. From the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lying words right now in our society. There's just a spirit of lies. There's curses. There's things that are happening that are trying to get into your younger generation's mind. They've been taught as though this is the truth. You go to school, an eight-year-old has been talked about gender. An eight-year-old. An eight-year-old doesn't even know who they are the innocence of an eight-year-old being told about gender equality, it's just so evil. So evil, it doesn't matter how you look at it, it is evil. We're bombarding them, bombarding them with choices that they should never, ever have to make, never. And then David uses this cry, I want you to get it. I want you to get it, young man. How old are you? 20. 20. I like (laughs) 20-year-olds. Amen. How old are you? 24. 24. You're the old man. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to words. What's your name? Augusto. 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 That's a good name, man. Can you say Bruce? (laughs) (laughs) Look at the words. Look. That our sons may be as plants growing up in their use. And it goes on, it says, our daughters may be like pillars, sculptured and style, secure with a beauty and a dignity about them because they realize they're created in the image of a king. Our men, young men, finding out who they are and not being pulled around by the seductive lies of the world. The daughters. It's a bit of a boring pillar, isn't it? There's not much sculpture in this pillar. But I don't think we'd really want to remove it right now, would we? Would you want us to remove it? I think that would all collapse. Come on, girls. It says pillars, strong, able to support, emotionally secure, knowing who they are, sculptured in palace style. That's what Jesus does, that's what fathers do. They establish sons. Young man, speaking to your life, and I declare that you're going to write, be lifted up as a wonderful young man who understands who he is. And around you, there will be generations of young people who've been told a lie, but I've placed on you a gift of leadership, and that gift of leadership will be able to. Take these people who are believing a lie and you'll be able to take them on a journey where they will begin to sense the power of God leading them into a place of security because I've placed in you a growth. I've placed in you a maturity, young man, that is beyond your years. And I'm speaking into you right now that you would rise up in strength. You would know the mantle of God's grace. You would know the mantle of his power. And I declare that you are a young lady. You are a... A pillar in the house of God and I prophesy over you a beauty and a dignity that people will behold as you find Jesus Christ stronger and stronger in your life. People will see who is that young girl how come she's so secure it doesn't matter where she is she carries the beauty and the dignity of the Lord. Can I pray for you? Stand just lift your hands I anoint you In the name of Jesus, just touch this wonderful girl's life. Emma, was it? Emma? Uh Yeah. Just touch her, Lord. Let her grow strong in the house of God. In Jesus' name. I want to come back to men. Boys. There's two types of men. Two types. There's what you call the masculine man. I probably might put myself in that category. (laughs) Definitely my wife would. (laughs) Masculine. There's also another male. We often don't understand it. It's not often talked about. It's called the emasculated man. Emasculated men are the more tender, soft. In society, they often become nurses. They don't want to do what the masculine man does. Because they're tender hearted, they're soft, they're generally, I'm using generally, generalisation, they might like the sport. They're soft. They're tender. But do you know they've been created in the image of God? And do you know what we have done with those young men? We've told them to man up become masculine, but they're created soft, they're created tender. God's created them that way. And we're doing damage to them because they lose their identity. And I've ministered now to many emasculated men who have affirmed the way God's made them. And today, they're married with children because some father took time to not try and put a box around them, but help them to identify who they are. And we live in a world where people are not giving answers to the creative order of God. And I believe it's the church's role to affirm men. I'm not going to do this tonight, but I spoke this message to 500 men in our city And I just went through and I came to the end and the Holy Spirit just gave me a word of knowledge just spoke into my heart that I knew I should do something. And this was the word he just said, Bruce, he said, in this gathering today, this is how he spoke into my heart, there's a whole lot of men who just need a hug. And so I just said, I've ministered to you. It was an anointed environment. I said, if you've grown up in this room and you're in this room today and you've really never known the affection of a dad never had someone tell you how much you're valued and you love them. If you're in this room and you've never, ever had a man give you a hug, would you just get out of your seat and come to the front? And I was shocked. The number of men who just got out of their seat. The altar call was so jam, jam-packed. This men coming up to the front. Some of our leaders just went up. Can I hug you? Would you let me? <laughs> I'm not saying you've got a pop. Boy, you're a big boy. <laughs> I didn't realize you were so big. This church, this church is helping where we have missed. Showing people how valuable they are. You're a valuable man. And I speak into your life in an area where often you felt fragile. But today, in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to you. And he says, I'm well pleased with you, my son. I love you. I love you. But in our masculine world, we push people away. Girls, if you're dead, And you've got 13, 14, 15, 16-year-old girls. Please give them a hug. Please. Because if you don't show them affection, they'll start looking for it from someone else. But if they know they're loved by a dad, they'll wait for the right man. Amen. And I speak, I speak into this environment tonight. I declare your anointing. I just ask you, Holy Spirit, to come. Just let God touch you where you are. Perhaps you're here and you've gone through the pain of not knowing a father. Perhaps your father died at a young age and you've gone through a home that's separated. You've been brought up by mainly your mum and your father's been separate from your life. Perhaps you've had a father that's always been there, but yet he's been so distant. You've never ever felt the affirmation of his presence. Perhaps today you just say, yeah, no, I had a good dad. I I had a good dad. My dad's helped me to understand God the Father far more than I realize. But today in the name of Jesus, I just release the Holy Spirit to touch people in this room. I pray God right now, In the name of Jesus you would heal miraculously you'd heal people you'd heal people you'd touch them so in Budapest we might see a generation of people rise up where our young men are like grown plants Mature, strong in their use. That our daughters may be as pillars sculptured and palace style, displaying a beauty and a dignity that comes from the creator of the universe. That fathers in this room would get a new vision of how they can impact a generation around. I just ask you Jesus to move miraculously stand with me I'm not telling you to I just invite you to lift your hands just, just keep playing just keep playing just let the anointing come through your music Come on, just play anointed, play anointed, play anointed. Just just let it come. Just let a prophetic sound come. I release that prophetic sound right now in the name of Jesus. There's a wave of God's anointing just going right over this room right now. There's a healing balm just touching people's lives. Right now, the shackles of hurt have been broken off people's lives. In the name of Jesus, people have been touched. The spirit of fatherhood is coming on to men in this room. In the name of Jesus. We're going to see a new generation raised up in this city. Not a, not a generation of religious people, but a generation who understands that they're here to mirror the glory of an incorruptible God, a God who never changes, a God who's all-powerful, a God who loves to deal with the brokenness of our humanity, a God right now we prophesy and declare that loves us. It doesn't matter where we make a mistake. His love and His mercy And you every morning. Come on, lift the prophetic sound. Come on, lift it up. Come on, lift the prophetic sound. Come on, let the Spirit of God begin to break over you. Let the Spirit of God begin to minister. Let something happen in this room. Right now, shackles are coming off people's minds, off people's bodies. Right now, I break the power of them. Right now, I speak a spirit of freedom into this room. I speak a liberty. I speak right now your grace. I speak wholeness. I speak completeness. In the name of Jesus, keep it going. Come on. Keep it going. Keep lifting it right now. In Jesus' name, let something happen. Let something happen. Just the mighty anointing. Come on, I I release. I release. I release his anointing. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come in power. Come right now in power. And right now, God, just magnify your son Jesus in our house. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.